Hello, and welcome to the Nick Chats podcast. My name is Beth Mace, and I am Nick's chief economist. Thank you for joining us. The focus of the Nick Chats podcast is talking to interesting people that have ideas that I think you'd like to hear about. As you listen today, I hope that you will find some humor, insights, inspiration, and hopefully what I call an aha moment when something pithy or insightful is said and a light bulb may go off for you. Let me tell you a bit about the structure of today's event. First, I will tell you three statements about my guest, two of which will be true. Throughout the podcast, you'll learn which is true and which is false. Second, there are three standard questions within each podcast for each speaker. The first is, what's the largest challenge facing our industry? Followed by a question about one thing we can do to grow talent in our industry. And third, what is one innovative way or idea to strengthen our industry? Now, as they say, on with the show. So I'm delighted that our Nick Chat podcast discussion today is with Sarah Dugan. Sarah is the Executive Director of Wholesale Banking, Seniors Housing Healthcare Lending at Synovus Bank. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Beth. Um, I'm thrilled to be able to have an opportunity to do this. I don't know how interesting um, this will be for me. It is my first podcast. Oh, so I'm good. excited. I can add that now to my resume. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, I have three statements about Sarah. Two are true and one is not. And during the podcast, we'll find out which is which. So one is that TCU's quarterback, Max Dugan, is in fact Sarah's son. Or that Sarah worked at Disney World when she was younger for um, an entire summer. Or that she's taking guided bike tours across 14 states in six in six countries. So we'll find out more as we go on. But as we start, Sarah, let me ask you a little bit about yourself in your role at Synovus and about a little bit more about Synovus. So as I understand, you've been at Synovus for about 11 years, and you're currently the Executive Director of Wholesale Banking, Seniors Housing Healthcare Lending. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what you do? Yes, Beth, I can. And and to be honest, sometimes titles don't always explain what you do, do they? So no, that's for sure. <laughs> realistically, I'm a combination gatekeeper, traffic cop, and internal negotiator with our credit department on the senior housing industry. In addition, I oftentimes externally am the spokesperson for the performance of the senior housing portfolio here at Synovus. Ah, great. Okay. Um, how large is Synovus and how large a book of business does it have in senior housing? Sure. Well, first of all, Synovus is a large regional bank based in Columbus, Georgia. And currently, the overall bank's total asset is $58.6 billion. Um, the senior housing portfolio, which as you alluded, we started 11 years ago when we came and joined Synovus, um, is now Four billion, um, and consists it consists of independent living, assisting li- assisted living facility combinations, and skilled nursing. And what types of financing do you does your team provide to senior housing operators and equity providers? We've traditionally provided um, more bridge type financing, three to five year term loans, primarily on a floating rate basis for acquisitions, refinance, and development. So I would imagine right now you're pretty busy. There's a lot of bridge lending going on. We'll get more <laughs> into that in a minute, but uh, I would imagine you're pretty busy. So um, tell us a little bit about what you look for in a good sponsor or a borrower. 
Well, and I've really thought about this question, Beth, because it's especially right now, very important. And we've really tried to always focus on the track record of the sponsor and the operator, because sometimes that's a dual role, the reputation of the individuals and the folks we're dealing with, their liquidity and access to capital. Mm. Have you, um, do you have occasion to turn away borrowers? Has that happened? Um, it happens quite frequently, actually. And that hasn't been necessarily of recent. Um, we've always received a lot of looks on transactions from a lot of different sources. And so sometimes those sources might be local developers in smaller markets that are just trying to find a lender. And that's really not the type of profile of owner operator and equity source that we deal with. We're, we, we focus on the larger um, transactions oftentimes, and most particularly with those entities that have a very good track record and a lot of experience. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Um, so, what distinguishes Sonovus from other lending institutions? Uh, could be banks, but also life insurance companies, or smaller regional banks, or even non-bank banks. You know, when I think about what kind of distinguishes us. I think in the past, it's really been our reputation as a fair and reasonable lender and our certainty of execution. Um, during the pandemic, we really distinguished ourselves by continuing to lend. And also in our approach with borrowers during that time and our ability to really work with folks on modification of covenants. So, as we as we alluded to a moment ago, there's been a lot of changes that have gone on in the lending environment in 2022. Uh, the Federal Reserve has just, uh, you know, has raised interest rates. In fact, just moments ago, before our call today, they raised interest rates yet again, seventh time this year, by a lesser 50 basis point increase, but still, you know, a pretty significant increase in terms of historical patterns. So, um, this has been happening since March. Uh, 2022. So how has this interest rate environment really affected your lending activity? Well, I would be lying to say it has not affected our lending activity, right? Because yep. in this type of market, there is definitely a heightened focus on liquidity, leverage, and valuation. I mean, the combination of pressure faced by the space, first the occupancy with the pandemic, yep. then the labor shortage and the cost increases now just of sheer labor and staffing. And now the higher interest rates have definitely cast a shadow on consistent performance. It's made it much more difficult. Um, the underlying need and demand for the services provided by our owners and operators is strong and projected only to increase in the future. But how you balance that now with your credit partners and with your external examiners becomes a little tricky. Yeah, so do you... Um imagine that this will continue into 2023 and, and how, how differently are you looking at borrowers today in terms of requirements or when you make an assessment? Well, to answer the first part of your question, um, yes, um, we expect 23 to be what I describe as bumpy. Um, you know, although there is an optimistic forecast that there's going to be a trending downward of rates, they're still going to be higher than they've been in the la almost in the last 20 years, right? And so we've got a definite different interest rate environment. Um, you know, with uncertainty in interest rates, um, the lending environment is, is going to be tight. 
And I predict the transaction flow will continue to be slower. Right. I've heard some people talk about like banks starting to like ration some of their money. You only have so much money to, to sort of parse out there in terms of, um, I don't know if rationing would be a word that you would use or not, but but I'm sure you're looking at your existing relationships and borrowers in one way that might be different than you might be looking at someone who's new who you don't have a relationship with. Is that an accurate statement? That is, although we have added quite a number of new relationships this year, and it kind of goes back to the track record, the reputation, their liquidity, and their access to capital. So when you have those strong elements, all A+, plus, A+, plus, A+, plus, A+, plus, you will, I mean, we will look at new transactions, and we will make new loans in 23. The wild card are really our payoff. And I think that's probably the same for most banks because we've had a significant slowdown in paydowns um, because everyone is sitting on the sidelines and the transaction flow is slower. So the anticipated payoffs that were scheduled haven't happened. So explain that a little bit. How does, how does that affect? So you have to have money back in the bank, so to speak, before you can lend it back out again? A little bit. I mean, at some point, in a loan position or in a bank's um, bucket of what they might say they're comfortable with senior housing. And say, for example, Cenevis is at $4 billion. We'll grow our portfolio some, but are we going to be looking to add just another $1 billion? We, We've closed over a billion loans this year. Wow. We've had about $500 million of payoff. So maybe a net growth of, of five hundred. You can't continue at that clip necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think without expanding the group. And again, that goes back to talent and resources and, and all sorts of things. So it's it's a little bit of a um, a domino effect. Right. So maybe this might be um, beyond 2023, but what's your, what are you most bullish about for your team in particular? You know, that's, that's a really, that was, I thought a very interesting question. And I think we have to look at the current economic environment and the stresses that we're seeing to figure out how to make it a win-win, how to make it a positive experience. And so I'm really most bullish on their opportunity to learn from an economic downturn because our group today that we have, many of them have not been through a bad cycle, right? Um, Some of us, more experienced individuals, have had that opportunity. And so it's truly an opportunity to learn and you you become a better lender, you become a better asset manager, you learn mistakes and structure that you wish had been there, and that then you might incorporate going forward. And so I really am excited in some respects for members of our team to kind of have this experience and learn from this because it will make them much better lenders in the future. So having said that, what would be um, a lesson? that you learned from going through prior cycles. We certainly had the great GFC, um, had, had a number of recessions, certainly my career. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about that too, what lessons can be learned. I mean, certainly the economic cycle is not dead. The business cycle is not dead. And when things are really good, people say, oh yeah, you know, we're never gonna have another downturn, but there's always something that, you know, that causes a downturn to occur. So if you think back on it, what as a banker, as a lender, What's a lesson or a piece of advice you might give to someone who's new at this higher rate environment? Well, cash is king, right? (laughs) 
that is a lesson learned um, from many years ago on different cycles. Liquidity and cash are what you want to focus on and, um, and in a fair manner, of course. But that is important in shoring up loans and um, mitigating risk and ensuring that your debt service payments will be made. Yeah. Okay. So let's switch topics a little bit and we're going to play with one of the truths or lies right now. <laughs> so um, have you, in fact, worked when you were, um, in, when you were in college, I think, did you, in fact, work at Disney World for a summer? I did. And I, as I mentioned in my um, response to you, it was probably one of my favorite college summer gigs. Mm-hmm. I had several. Um, I always had a lot of fun during summer time during college. And working at Disney World was a trip. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. You know, because we mingled with the permanent staff. Um, it was truly a whole different world when you got there. And um, it taught you really good customer service, though. And from a business management standpoint, Disney was right on it from a liability standpoint. I mean, you were trained on how to handle any missteps, report things. So you kind of learned the risk of liability that companies undertake when they serve the public. And especially, um, you know, <laughs> from a liability standpoint. Well, it's interesting because there's been a lot of stories written in the Wall Street Journal and other, um, artic- other journals lately about the change in management recently at Disney. And one of the comments that they made was that the sort of the culture had changed under the prior leadership. And whether you agreed with it or didn't agree with it, the point was really that culture matters. Yeah. And there was a different culture and, and what the pickup pick of that culture is within the organization. And I know that's something that senior housing operators especially during COVID, focused a lot on what is the culture of the organization to try to retain staff. So that's an interesting takeaway. Well, and especially for senior housing operators, knowing that retaining staff now is probably one of their biggest challenges. Mm-hmm. And if you can really exhibit your culture and it it's evident in the day-to-day and it's real, it's not just a pretend, um, I think it would make a difference as an employee um, on whether or not I want to stay or not. Yeah, without a question. I totally agree. A lot of focus on that for sure. So let's talk a little bit more about your personal story. So tell us a little bit about your career path in any lessons that you've learned along the way in terms of you wish I could have or should have or should have at a different time in your life or that you might want to share with some younger uh, people that might be listening to this call today. Well, I'll make the first part of this pretty brief because it's not very exciting. Um, you know, to be honest, I mean, I was, I was an accounting major, started at Ernst, what was then Ernst & Winnie is no longer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it was a little bit of foreshadowing because they had me going out to all these small towns across Alabama um, auditing Blue Cross Blue Shield cost reports for small yeah. hospitals. And so at the time, you know, one of your questions, how did you pick the space? Well, it was all luck. Um, I, I was unhappy doing what I was doing. I went to South Trust Bank. I was in the credit department for about a year. And Bill Shine kind of so, um, recruited me to come down to the lending floor. And the team he was manage, managing, which was a CNI group, we happened to have two um, loans for still nursing homes in there. And they were handed over to me as the only female in the group. <laughs> you know, take the nursing home loans. But Bill had a true interest and curiosity about them. And it was pure luck, one, to get paired with Bill Shine, 
and to sort of have this opportunity to start looking at nursing home loans to kind of start from there. And so, you know, I did not have a plan to be in senior housing. I didn't have a plan, to be honest, to work to this age. Um, but I enjoy what I do. I'm, I'm passionate about what I do. I love this industry. And um, I was very lucky to be aligned with someone. And, and so I think from advice, I would say for younger individuals, finding that mentor and aligning yourself with someone who you respect and who also takes an interest in you is very important. And to be really engaged in what you're doing, whatever it is. Um, ask questions, be curious, because if you can't find something interesting about it, you need to look somewhere else. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. <laughs> yeah, find a passion if you can, for sure. So you sort of happened upon uh, skilled nursing and in senior housing. Would you recommend it to someone in terms of the opportunities that are out there? Absolutely. With the forecast of the growth for this industry over the next five to 15 years, I think this is a great opportunity. And I still think one of the struggles for the space is that when younger individuals are looking at other sectors of CRE, commercial real estate, they may rather do industrial or multifamily or something with a little bit more sizzle to it, right? But I think long-term, this space um, even during economic cycles like what we're experiencing, there's opportunities to learn. There's opportunities to be engaged. Um, you know, one of the things I think your question asked, you know, what would you recommend on, you know, finding and helping grow younger folks in this industry, you know, taking them out to site. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of individuals are in the asset management world. They're looking at the screen. They're looking at the financial statements. They don't have a sense of what an assisted living facility, independent living facility, memory care property, they have no idea what really goes on in the property. And I think once you go on site visits and you meet operators and you tour with EDs and marketing people, the numbers make a lot more sense. You can start understanding concessions and start understanding agency labor and the impact. And I think that's really important in growing new talent in this industry. Yeah, I always talk about what's well, not my phrase, but you know, doing well by doing good or doing good by doing well. I mean, it's an industry that um, I've been involved in the industry for 20 plus years. And you know, you can be passionate about it because you're making a difference ultimately in people's lives, in older people's older yeah. Americans' lives. And I think that's the piece that you come away with. And sometimes you you step back and you go, well. Well, my, 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 my lending or by what I do research and things, how is that actually affecting change? But ultimately it does. And it is yeah. influencing the, the very lives of, the, of, of our parents. So um, I always walk away with that when I talk to younger people about coming into the industry, because there's, there's so much good that you can do. And as the baby boomers are coming, there's even that many more people. And especially when you get into more of what Nick calls the forgotten middle or the sort of affordable housing for in care options for seniors is like endless opportunities for that. So I know that you do some volunteering in some of the uh, groups, the trade associations uh, related to senior housing and skilled nursing. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you think it's important to be a volunteer? Sure. Well, I have to admit, I think 
my, um, I've kind of <laughs> probably dropped off some of my volunteering over the years. I was very involved in Nick for a long time and have also engaged into ASHA in most recent years. You know, you, you can make volunteer work also a win-win for you professionally, which I think a lot of this has happened. I think that's that's the way it needs to work. So the networking is, you know, amazing. When you volunteer and you engage in the top organizations in this industry, you will meet a lot of great people and form very good relationships with them. And I think that's very important in just continuing to learn and be educated as to what this industry, um, the challenges it faces and what it needs. Yeah, I agree. And as there's also a, a friend and fun aspect to it. There, there's a while I travel a fair amount for my job, and there's a while that I was seeing the volunteers of various trade groups, uh, as well as for Nick. Um, I was seeing them as much as I was seeing like some of my own uh, girlfriends. So yeah. I created some really pretty strong female and male relationships over time just by by volunteering because I was a volunteer prior to working for Nick. I was a volunteer for a long time for Nick. But yep. yeah, so. OK, so uh, let's switch again a little bit to um, more of that a broader industry perspective. So. You know, we're talking about baby boomers, and that's certainly an influencing factor for long-term positive growth for the sector. What else are you bullish, or why else are you bullish about senior housing? Um, well, from a bullish standpoint, you know, obviously, when you look at the forecast as to the numbers over 85 going forward in such a short time period, I think that's where we all have to stay steady on. Um you know, I think there's going to be opportunities short term, believe it or not, for some development, because so many people are sitting on the sidelines with development. We don't have a lot of development activity going on. And so if you take the contrarian view, I think with certain owners and operators that have a long track record and have access to capital and liquidity, pursuing some development opportunities maybe in 23 that roll out in 25 may not be such a bad idea. Right. Um, in certain markets. So I think there are pockets of opportunities. It's just who you align yourself with for those opportunities. That's that's critical. Okay. Um, are you, as, we, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Nick, we've been talking about what we call, again, the forgotten middle or the middle income seniors for, for a while since we did a big study in 2019 with Nork at the University of Chicago. Um, have, is, is this something that Sonovus is lending to, this sort of small but growing group of operators that are serving that market or not not quite yet? Well, you know, I think we can all agree that there is a large percentage of the population who needs to be served by a more affordable mar market in this space. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think in today's economic environment, it's really hard to make that type of model work. Right. And especially, you know, for a for-profit operator, you, you've got the staffing shortages, higher wages, while then trying to balance and keep your rates affordable, um, it, it really is hard to make the math work. And so I think that's unfortunate for that sector because it's important to serve those individuals. But I don't think the current economic environment is a friend. Um, I think it's going to be hard to make that work. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's a topic that Nick continues to pursue and will be continuing to pursue it in 2023 for sure. Trying to figure out how to get the, how to get an affordable product just from a real estate point of view, as well as the care portion, which is very challenging because of the labor intensity of the care portion. So more to follow on that for sure. 
How about um, the other big um, new emerging sectors, active adult? And um, Nick just issued a big white paper on that uh, months ago. Is that an area that Synovus is lending into, active adult? It's not. Um, no. We really have defined our mission here to be on properties that are more service oriented. Yeah. And provide at least some minimal services such as independent living. Mm -hmm. um, so we are not pursuing that um, active adult at the moment. You know, we'll look at it. We've looked at it again this year and really decided um, it's not for us. But it will be interesting to see how it continues to perform. I've been, to be honest, I've been surprised at how well it's performed. Um, I was very skeptical at first. And so I'm glad to see such quality equity sponsors in the space. And I think they've been aligned with good operators and developers mm -hmm. who know what they're doing. So, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, I'm curious, especially now, again, because we're in a you know, pretty significant economic cycle um, with probably some type of a, at least a mild recession, I'm, I'm projecting for, for next year at least. Um, and we'll see, because Active Adult is such a choice-based product, We'll see how that works when people don't have to or, or can't sell their homes because of the right. change in mortgage interest rate environment. So that's, that's something right. that, that, I'm, that I'm trying to track a little bit on that. Yep. So um, as I mentioned, we always have three standard questions and we mentioned you mentioned one of them a little bit ago about one way to grow talent in our sector. Do you have any other right. thoughts about that? We talked about um, finding a good mentor, for example. Was one yeah, and I think, you know, as I mentioned, providing um, individuals the opportunity to visit properties um, and, and really be able to see the mission that these providers are carrying out as they serve the elderly. I mean, they can you can be a profitable model. You can make money in this industry uh, while serving individuals in a very respectful, caring way. And I think we've got a large number of operators in the space who do exactly that. I totally agree. Um, okay, and, and there might be a couple of these um, in terms of challenges facing our industry. Uh, you had mentioned, you know, certainly we've been through we've been through it, right, with COVID <laughs> and then labor shortages and now inflation, um, interest rate changes, potential slowdown in the economy next year. Um, that's that's some of a list. <laughs> yeah. Other things. Yeah. On the list of challenges. You know, I think if you if you try to zero in, and at least in my opinion, what the largest challenge is for the space, I would have to say labor. Yeah. And it and it's not just it's at all levels because we've seen properties here in our portfolio that have had a lot of turn in the ED position, and that has had a huge negative impact on the property because of lack of leadership and direction. And, you know, you can make some gains on agency and then you lose your ED and then all of a sudden um, you're back in the agency world. So it really matters to have a steady, very driven ED minding, you know, kind of the captain of the ship. So some of your borrowers, have you seen any of them are, have interesting things that they're working on for EDs to, to sort of um, promote from within or train? existing staff or um, any any observations that you've made on the ED level for the operator? You know, you know, we're seeing that more. I think the first focus was at more the dietary level or the CNAs and, and the, that level of individuals, very important in the property. 
But I think there is now more focus on the ED level and just, again, training, um, sort of getting them the buy-in, making the commitment and compensation too. You know, I think that um, the more promotes being built into ED compensation as to performance at the property level um, is a good driver. Yeah. So I think that's more common than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, how about an innovative idea on how to strengthen our industry? You know, I think one thing I've witnessed that I think continuing would be good for this industry is sharing of best practices among the operators. Because I I felt like during the pandemic, particularly, there was a lot more transparency among operators with each other on survival and what can we do to get through this. And there was more of united front together. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, of course, there's always going to be competition in a particular market that you need to be careful about. But sharing best practices and approaches, I think, is a really healthy approach. And I think it would be more beneficial if we do it more often. Yeah, so um, I'm on the same wavelength with you on that as well. And in fact, honestly, in, in our industry, especially, you know, the tide lifts us all. Um, and we want to be careful that there isn't one um you know, bad operator out there that also the tide comes down on us all. At the same well, moment. we've already seen what happens in the headlines, right, the New York Times or wherever. When there's one bad situation, it casts a shadow on the entire industry. Yeah. And I think trying to avoid that is, is, a, is a powerful thing. It is indeed. Okay, so let's go back to your other two uh, oh. comments about your personal life. So um, have, you got, have you taken a 14 guided bike tours in 14 states and also six countries? Well, I probably gave myself away on that one because mm-hmm. it was so specific, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love to cycle. I think cycling is a great way to see a new country or a new state. Mm-hmm. And so I've had some fun ones. I think domestically, Alaska was probably my most interesting one within the United States to cycle in Alaska. And then I think internationally, probably my most enjoyable was probably France. Have you done that rag ride right, in Iowa? You know, I did go one year with LCS. And oh, right. was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Des Moines. And I was their guest and had yep. a wonderful time. Um, and that was 2019. And I was so fired up about it that I couldn't wait to do it in 2020. And my, my husband did that. You probably met my husband at that ride. Oh, well, I didn't do the whole thing. Um, I think it was a two-day experience, but it was so well worth it. And um, I hope to maybe do it, do it again sometime, but it's been, I think, put, put on the table for a while. Yeah, well, for those who don't know, that's a ride that goes from one end of Iowa to the other, right? And, and yeah. I think a lot of people think of Iowa as flat, and I'm oh, from what no. I'm told, I'm, I'm told it's not so it's not as flat as one might think. That's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. All right, so that leaves the what your son in, about your son is Max, in fact, at <laughs> TCU. Well, I threw that out there, and that is my why. As those who might know me, I have two daughters. I do not have a son, Um, but I couldn't resist because when I've watched, and we have a a relationship manager in our team who went to TCU. So, you know, instead of it being all about Alabama this year, we talked a little bit more about TCU. And so um, I I focused on Max a little bit because I feel like he's a talented um, quarterback. 
Nice. Well, that was that was that was good. That was good. I, I, I wondered about that. So that's awesome. So um, is there anything else you want to comment on before we uh, close? No, just that I've enjoyed this experience, Beth, and it's always nice to chat about the industry. And here we are closing out 2022. It's it's been a it's been an interesting year. Um, and you know, again, I think 23 is going to be an interesting year. And um, hopefully, we'll be closing when we close it out in December of 23. I hope we'll be looking forward to a more positive 24. That's great. So thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. And for those who are listening in today, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Beth. Thank you.